where probably, yeah, it was shortly after May, I'd been in a coma, I'd had this near-death experience, another one. I thought I better start preparing the kids while I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm here, I made it out, and yeah, that's amazing. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm a miracle and I'm going to be fine and everything's okay. It was, uh, okay, well, sh- if this can happen now, this is the day. This is every day what I have. This is the new data point. Imagine finding strength in the face of business challenges. Please meet my next guest, Sarah Hartness. She is a revenue operations expert since 2015. But in 2019, life tested her with surgeries and paralysis, leading to a powerful realization. Life is too short for anything but authenticity and happiness. And in your book, which is coming very soon, Guided by Giants, Sarah shares her journey from overcoming adversity to creating a fulfilling life. And she's here to empower you too. Through an authentic connection, she helps women conquer challenges, embrace resilience, and rewrite their stories. Sarah, welcome to the Happy on the Inside. Thanks for having me, Anna. So it's amazing to be here. What a great realization. Life is too short and the most important is to be happy. What does happiness mean to you? That's a great question. Happiness means having another day with my kids. That's that's been happiness. Um, happiness means doing and having uh, uh, incredible experiences like I have in the last 12 months in particular um, either with the kids or or on Necker Island, for example, um, but having these incredible experiences and knowing that all of that suffering and all of that challenge was able to be used for something. I would not have been so grateful, for example, and may not have even had the opportunities that I've had, had these things. So to be grateful for my suffering and, and kind of hand it, hand it back as, as far as not carrying it with me, that, that's happiness. And not being sick, not being butchered or having surgery, that makes me happy. <laughs> love, love makes me happy. <laughs> this is such, a, such an amazing answer. I didn't expect that because after what you've gone through, you're right, you are gaining so much appreciation for things that many people just take for granted like spending time with your children because a few years ago they might not even have a mom. Yeah, I was writing about this in my book and it was probably the, whenever you're writing about something or bringing something like that back to life, which was what I I, I did to get kind of get it on paper because I knew that that story was something even it wasn't just my story it's everyone that's going through any kind of medical process or any kind of trauma or any kind of trauma that then leads to medical process right like it's it all intertwines and even in those moments of of challenge and suffering looking for the looking for the light moments I think became almost like a challenge like all right well what have we got here we're going to get into we're going to get into how we can alchemize this. So in the book, I started writing about this one moment with the kids 
where probably, yeah, it was shortly after May, I'd been in a coma, I'd had this near-death experience, another one. I thought I better start preparing the kids while I'm here. Like I'm, I'm here, I made it out and yet that's amazing. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm a miracle and I'm going to be fine and everything's okay. It was uh, okay. Well, sh- if this can happen now, this is the day, this is every day what I have, this is the new data point uh, to live with. And I've been told, you, we, you, you know, realistically, uh, we, there's not much we can do, more we can do for you. So I'd already been started to be seated for a palliative process, which kicked off in ironically in October which is when I started getting better but that's a whole other podcast (laughs) Um, but I sat down and spoke to the kids about I'd read somewhere that if you help kids to understand that life is really precious and and temporary then it's less hard especially because they're young like my kids are seven five and three and I started getting sick when Rocket was born so I probably only got six months with him breastfeeding before I was on too many medications that I couldn't, he couldn't have, you know, benzos, gabapentin, like literally everything to just kill your mind and kill your brain and kill your heart and kill your soul and just make it like, it was the beginning of a Western health nightmare, like nightmare. It cost a fortune, but I sat down and told the kids, mum's a butterfly. So anytime you see a butterfly, Matt's mum I'm here I'm right here with you and it doesn't matter what happens and I would buy them books I bought them a book for Christmas each one of them the same book and it's all about how we are here to be happy and be of service to the world and to create love and be love and it was just this beautiful book but each one of them I wrote like a letter on the inside of it to say how how incredibly proud of them I was like you know that was my letters to them my goodbye letters I wrote goodbye goodbye letters to my kids but I proved them wrong (laughs) proved them all wrong including the kids and every single day that they see mum drag a kayak across the road even though it's like totally scratching the underneath of it. I literally drag a kayak across the road drag it down onto the sand yesterday I did this I was like all right let's go let's go for a kayak let's do it and my kids see that now and they've got different data points so their fear is slowly subsiding in there but they understand they know that they had a mama that We'd rather live in live in suffering than not be with them. It made me emotional. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's uh... and there is nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> this is such a powerful moment. Yeah, I I cannot imagine what you were going through, preparing your kids for what was coming. Yeah, that was tough. So, Grace, yeah, my daughter saw things she should not have had to. Okay. Would you share a little bit more about your story and what you have gone through? Absolutely. So in 2019, uh, when Rocky was born, he was born in August, um, pretty much so I'd had three babies con- fa- fairly consecutively. I had endometriosis, 
before that and number of miscarriages I'd had you know really tough time even having the kids and they ended up putting a neurostimulator device in my back for um, pelvic pain and what that does is it modulates pain going up your your spine so that's an important data point turns out all the things that ended up happening were caused by autonomic dysreflexia which is the nervous system scrambled or disconnected from itself the brain and the body's nervous systems mine came from a car accident but the combination of probably having surgery on the spine down in the sacrum plus then this car accident meant that I had two areas of damage in the spinal cord which then created this cascade effect so we now know this but my story started in 2019 where I just started getting neurological symptoms so I'd get like um like kind of weird light flashing and I was be like what what is that that like flight uh lights flashing dots in the eyes I had a increasing blind spot that I didn't realize I've been holding a cup or a mug and I've dropped I I made done weird stuff basically my I was glitching I call it glitching now because it it mm-hmm. kind of feels like I was glitching like I'd drop something or I'd trip or I'd hit the curb which is not just my terrible driving like I I genuinely couldn't see it so in um January of 2020 uh you know Rocky's only four months old or five months old and I went to get glasses and they freaked out in the like you you know you just at the optometrist where you get bloody glasses and they said you need to go to a neuro ophthalmologist immediately sent me off you've got two optic nerves swollen. They stupidly said, usually that indicates some kind of a mass. And I'm like, okay, well, what's mass brain, brain tumor? I'm like, oh my God, I got a brain tumor. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out because they were freaking out and they were that open and transparent. So that was probably mistake number one. Turns out um, it was something called intracranial hypertension. So my uh, optic nerves were swollen because there was too much pressure in the brain. So then there was a whole series of medications they put you on. They do all these tests. Like, you know, it started really there, getting glasses. At the same time, I'd be also having these neuro symptoms. I also started getting weird cardio, cardiac symptoms, very bizarre. I think probably the trigger of pregnancy because your mm-hmm. blood volume doubles twice. Like every time you have a, a pregnancy, your blood volume is doubling. So mm-hmm. your body is contracting and expanding, but not just for the baby, it's for the volume of blood, for the circulatory system, for the neurons in it, like for everything to feed this thing. So while that's happening, your body's, you know, nutrients get reduced and things like that. So um also after every pregnancy the child's dna stays in your system so i had two boys and a girl so i had all this mix of crazy hormones from the girl plus the two boys so my body just i think went into a hyper state of and three cesarean sections i think it was already in like a fight flight state because of previous experiences that i'd had about you know, a decade ago, but that these pregnancies start really probably set off a bit of a trauma process. I had a surgery while I was pregnant under local to have the sacral stem removed. 
And I think that was probably the dumbest idea because that was, I was fully awake on, on a surgical table, mm-hmm. like fully awake. They just used local anaesthetic. So, you know, when you get a tooth out or something like that, that's local yeah. anaesthetic, but this is a full surgery. So I, there, I, there were things that I could feel, but I was pregnant. So it was probably like this double trauma situation that then set off this cascade, but I ended up with cardiac system um, symptoms. So systematically each one of my organs started to be affected and over time you add in very severe medication we also had a pandemic at the same time so every surgery we started just going on this roller coaster ride of one surgery after another then I'd get an infection so I'd have to have a debridement or some horrendous stuff and then they shove all of these horrific meds into you everything from gabapentin to here go just have a ketamine infusion for a week but we'll just leave you in a dark hospital room alone while you have for a week and then gradually just increase the dose and then bring you back down like the the lack of care how crazy it is is just and 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 to be in that cycle of um the only way I can describe it is hell like it felt like being in hell every surgery every time I have some kind of complication or there's always like a you've got to start here but you've got to have these other surgeries to get to here so that's what happened when my bowels started failing and so we went through four or five different brow bowel surgeries before they took out the large bowel so there's this process of reduction that happened instead of um regeneration and care and I'm I'm I've told no grudges I forgive everyone in you know that ever wrongs me in any way but I feel like the the system itself was not set up it's not set up for life it's set up for death I just went no (laughs) no no way we're not gonna do that we've not gone through all of this just to do that no sorry like no and I couldn't even allow myself uh I couldn't even allow myself to not be to not end my suffering my body my body wouldn't let me die my you know no there was no way because I'm I still had things to do so I started you are such a warrior man I'm either that or I'm just crazy I don't know probably both (laughs) How long have you spent in the hospital? All up. I think last year I condensed it all. uh, The whole first half of the year I was in hospital last year. My last surgery was in October of 22. So it's not that long ago, right? Like depending on when this you watch this, but it really wasn't. It's less than a year ago. And Mm -hmm. in May it was only a year before between like a year prior to that I was in a coma a year prior to that I was having bird you know I had all these like it's not that long ago that you needed an oxygen machine in your house and it wasn't that long ago that you were teaching yourself how to infuse saline and uh you know just supplement anything supplemental supplemental because you couldn't no food um you were so malabsorbed from hospitals. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy the amount 
of stuff, but it was also okay. Like every one was just a moment in time. I tried not to look at the rest of it. If you look at the rest of it, oh my God, it's, it's too much. It's too much for one person. I don't know. I don't know how I'm here. God is the only reason, maybe. Well, looking at you, I would never, ever say no, no. what you have gone through. No. It's like you, instead of, you know, just taking, uh, taking it easy, have a rest, look after yourself, you did opposite. You actually yeah. jump fully into a living, into creating yeah. your life. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, I was wondering, Sarah, what are the biggest lessons you've learned? through this journey essentially mindset is everything is absolutely everything it starts there because it's internal so the moment I realized that and it was like I had a a data point to prove it I was like oh yeah Mm -hmm. mindset is everything and and I'd use data points to compare the other ones So I started to understand the way my brain worked and I started to understand the way it's wired and then I could start to elevate away from it um, as far as being the the pilot for me. I could kind of allow my brain to do its thing knowing that because my, my condition is called autonomic dysreflexia, the two nervous systems are separate. So my brain already had to deal with the fact that my body and my brain were disconnected I was like a chicken Mm -hmm. with its head cut off so I I had that already seated in my consciousness and my ability to understand that this is why the body was overriding the brain so if the body could override the brain then so could I that's what I just kind of started to understand because I could see it having happened in my you know if I was starting to become tacky I would I would almost like really force my brain to send a message there. Like I started to use this, no, the brain is going to override the body. The brain needs to be the, the, I need to use my brain to regulate this system. The system should not regulate me. I was like, no, I'm not allowing the body to dictate. Yes. Okay. It's going to because my, but I can maybe just intentionally change the neuron pathway. And that's, I systematically went through the process of, okay, let's practice on this. And I started to get better and better and better. And at the same time, I was doing Dr. G's, like Guillermo through Nutri, Nutri 11. Woo. I'm drinking some now. I'm just plugging that because uh, he's literally saved my life, um, him, and, him and the team. But they go through all of these different other things that no one had spoken to me about in the Western process. So they're like, um, well, it matters to get sunlight. I'm like, well, my vitamin D is in the toilet as well as all my liver mm-hmm. function. So I started to combine all of these things into a master set of tools and the tools, you know, started with mindset. That's one. There's a lot, a lot that I've learned, but um, that's one. That's definitely one, probably most important one, I reckon. One of them. I'm glad you, you've made this conclusion or that you've learned this lesson because I want my listeners to know that everything is possible. If we just need to make a decision, I want to survive. I want to succeed. 
I want to have an abundance in my life. And that's kind of life I want to have. And and instead of activating the things that harm us, we activate mm-hmm. things that heal us. And it, 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 you know, what I learned through Dr. G and some of the work that you kind of start to combine like singer and um, uh, and dispenser. I'm I'm a transmuter. I just take all the things and I stick it in a blender, and then oh, out pops something like an abundance cereal or something. <laughs> it's mad, but those guys became highly influential in the process just from reading their books. I found Fountain Life because before a year prior, I'd read and what was propping up my computer, which ironically led me to find the Fountain Life, but at home, that was what was, I had my computer resting on this and then I'd had it this way for a year because I'd finished the books. I read um, Tony and Peter Diamondis's um, all about this, like mm-hmm. all about the internal work and so I think it had already been seeded for me that that these this was entirely a choice not what was happening to me I couldn't that was second that was circumstantial but I could choose in the moments of circumstance to think of it a different way and I remember the moment if you don't mind me sharing it's a little bit graphic so maybe cut it out if you don't but um, no go for it there was one particular surgery that was nasty and they'd come and to you know cleanse the wound and stuff it was it was like an ileostomy so I had like a thing poking out of me there was you know they'd come to clean me up and then the nurse had had to go see another patient but there was all this stuff set up still on like the wheel the wheelie table anyway I accidentally knocked it because I'm clumsy as hell and I accidentally knocked all the contents of this horrendous like area they'd been cleaning and blood went all over the walls and it was literally like a murder scene and I went all right this is this is great this is a really great example of like the worst hell I'm so horrific I can't move to clean it up because I've just had surgery but I'm I'm so mortified (laughs) that I've just done been so clumsy I had one job to not move just it was lit so I took a photo of it I was like right this is it <laughs> I, I took a photo because I'm like this is a low point Sarah <laughs> this yeah. is really a low point for you even for you <laughs> but I laughed at myself and I remember going yeah this is bad but this is kind of funny because I had this moment like what other bloody option do you have when you can't move and you're in that situation, it's not like I could get up and hide or like, you know, that shame had nowhere to go. So it just, it ran into laughing because <laughs> I'm like, this is, can I get worse? And, oh, this is good. So now I have a, I can always go, is this worse than that? No, no, not worse than that. I still, that's, yeah. So maybe just having an extreme data point that's um so extreme that you're just like, wow. But you can do that with anything, really. You can, you just need to look for the data points. So that was probably number point number two. Like, just look for the information that proves this theory right. That that if you come at the world with that attitude, 
you know, call it abundance, call it happiness, call it bliss, call it like just having who, who you are, feeling who you are and being unapologetic of, of her, then, you know, abundance is real. Like, you know, that you create, you, you just can do this. You can, you can do it on your own. As yeah. we were talking behind the camera, abundance is uh, uh, an internal feeling as well as a happiness and joy. It comes from inside. Uh, you you need to become an abundance. You need to become a joy and a happiness and nothing and no one can take away this from you. Sarah, I, I was wondering, you've mentioned that you were working with Dr. G who helped you to go through this. What are some of other advices he gave you mm. um, to, to become better, to feel better? Because I know you also changed your diet. How oh, 100%. was changing your diet? That was critical. Um, in, I started in January and by March, uh, actually probably more like April, but um, by April I'd, I'd lost almost 30 kilos. So in a very short space of time by shifting my diet, and because I was so committed, I was at a point where I'd try anything. I was so committed to change that I called myself the model student, but I really just everything that they said. So over the 12 weeks, we covered lots of different topics, everything from light to um, how important iron is to diet to. So there's a lot of different things that they, that we cover in the program, but it, it, it meant that each week I was getting better and better, which is why of the 12 weeks, really by the end of it, I'd absorbed and integrated the information to such a degree that the impact was undeniable. And it, it on paper, it looks like a miracle. Like that is a miracle. I, I was here and now I'm here. And I, I, the only explanation I have is that that combination of, of me being committed plus everything that I got from Dr. G's program, like the Nutri Sharks, like, and my name's Sharky, my nickname's Sharky, so it was meant to be. But, yeah, I, I think they that all led to I took Nutri and, and gave it to Richard on, on Necker. I was like, here you go, you can have some Nutri and, and, and realised that the diet just played such a huge role because what you put into your body becomes you. So, if you're not putting good food into your body, then then your cells are actually having to work harder. And I wanted to maintain my energy only for healing. What is the one main thing you've changed in your diet? That um, no, absolutely no sugar, no sugar ever, ever, no sugar. And if you if you if you do have a sugar moment. And it's hard because sugar is in everything, but less than eight, like has to be less than eight grams. I try and stick to two grams of sugar on in anything. If I are you talking about, uh huh? Are you talking about refined sugar or also like a um, rice, potato? Uh, yep. Yeah. So no carbs at all. Yeah. No. Uh -huh. So zero glucose, carbs. Zero carbs. Pretty much just meat and protein eggs and meat and fat and that's it and how barely any you, fat how did um, it help you to heal it switched my mitochondria into a energy 
it's so the ketogenic diet is a big part of the program as well um but it's more than ketogenic we're trying to reach a point of healthy um maintenance of that so it becomes a lifestyle rather than just you know i'm gonna fast and and just eat meat for a week you notice the difference within a week it only takes that long but it's being masterful over what you're putting into your body so um fish meat and not eating very much at all so now these days i have really just one meal a day um roughly like i I might have a couple of snacks of minimal like handful of nuts around it but it's fast in the morning I have my Nutri for breakfast which is the best thing ever Nutri like seriously that that has been more life-changing than anything I think the Nutri drink and it's just like a protein fat they've got breakfast and dinner I think but it's a meal replacement so you don't have breakfast then I eat at about three o'clock but that's really where we've landed after each person in the group gets a, a specialized and and personalized meal plan and that gets revised throughout the process because your body needs different nutrients depending where you are in the process but I became highly energy efficient as far as um, instead of my body using fuel uh, from glucose because I was living eating so much sugar it'll it'll use the meat or like it, it, it's it's just a lot more energy efficient so I have heaps more energy like I, we were talking earlier I'm like I, was, uh-huh. I took the kayak across the road yesterday I was out in the water I'm like yeah we got this and there's no way like I was not I was walking with a walker a year ago mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unbelievable yeah I was asking because this topic is very close to my heart and when I work with my patients, I know how important is your gut health, what fuel you put in your body and your mental health. There is a link between your gut health and your mental health, your brain health as well. So that's why I was asking. I'm, yes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you've shared this information. Um, and I'm so glad you, you look so <laughs> radiant. I'm I'm glowing. I don't know why. I'm just happy. <laughs> I, I, could it could have been the sea air? Yes, I'm rosy hue. Who minds? I don't know. Who minds? But it's, <laughs> could it's be all beautiful. kinds of secrets I'm brewing. <laughs> uh-huh. Sarah, yeah. How Sarah. how did it impact everything? What you've gone through, um, the uh, uh, hospitalization and paralysis. How did it impact your personal relationships? I knew you were going to ask me that. I thought I got away with it. Um, no, it was it was really hard. Uh, I'll start with like the family dynamic, right? So getting sick, particularly when you've got small kids and particularly when the there's no end in sight. I think this happens with anyone with a chronic illness. I think this happens with anyone that has been through any kind of medical, long-term medical trauma or a palliative program, right? And then come out the other side where, oh, hang on a minute, they're not, they didn't do what they all told you was going to happen. But, you know, cancer survivors have this where they kind of end up back in their life after expecting or being told that that was, you know, against all odds, you've kind of made it, right? 
and you end up in this situation where people only remember you sick but you don't feel sick anymore or you're not as sick or you're getting better and then they they don't necessarily understand what you've internally been going through um, family can uh not come often they won't necessarily come on the journey with you or you start to become someone that they're not familiar with or I think the dynamics can can change and you just become somebody different and new and you don't even realize it's happening but it starts to create space between people I mean I think I understand what what happens when you you know reinvent yourself or they call, call yourself you know if you're if you're going through a process you can reinvent yourself you can just become who you who you want to be and and getting more authentic can be confronting for people particularly those that have a lot of their own processing to do and I can only imagine what it was like for my family to have one had to see me suffer so badly but to see the worst of it too like withdrawals from benzos are not fun it's it's not fun and Adam being you know somewhat told you're a drug addict or things like like just think people say things when they're in pain and when they've seen you in so much pain they want to see your suffering and just as much as you do so they get used to this idea that you're dying and we got used to that idea we got used to that being the normal in my house that was normal so if you're bias towards this outcome then the family things cannot survive that bias if you no longer associate with it if you don't believe that anymore but their belief system is that and only because of their experience like things have to change so I have lost a lot of people through this process because one that it becomes very hard to relate because I don't know many people in the world I can talk to that cannot can fully comprehend or understand or you know it's it's hard, it's really hard like what and and those that I have met are the likes of like Zarifa Ghaffari who literally was bombed on the way to school three times and I can't compare to that but that it gives me she's a phoenix you know she's she's still here and she's defiant and she's incredible and exceptional and I'm like that you're my spirit animal like I love you so my entire ecosystem I'm imploded as much as my health did my entire ecosystem I have lost people that were everything to me I got divorced I mean you know there's always a trade there's always a trade in our life you know my mom says what doesn't kill us makes us stronger I'm pretty good at that one (laughs) (laughs) but what some of the blessings Mm. came up from all this oh so many it's all a blessing living 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 mm-hmm. living fully oh my god going to dubai i don't know <laughs> finding that's a good one. Oh, I, that's my favorite the ble- the blessings like on a tangible level like my proof of abundance of my algorithm mm-hmm. is 
the things I'm doing and the incredible people that I'm um, hanging out with like you and, and this conversation and the opportunity that it presents to share and be vulnerable and give you the worst of me and hope that you're still there on the other side and still listening or see an opportunity for where you can do that and create abundance in your own lives. And, and, and I don't mean you specifically, but anyone listening that is suffering in any way, what I'm really hoping to to do more of is is share ways you can just change your mind, you know, just change your mind about the situation and often the situation will follow. Mm-hmm. And that's all I did. I just changed my mind, stuff this, blow this for a joke. That's what we say here in Australia. Blow this for a joke. This is a shit joke. I don't want to tell it anymore. <laughs> what is it that you do and how do you help people now I do all the things that I am excited to do and I think that was that's that's number one um I just I chose every moment is precious right so I have to live and work authentically so I spend uh time with people who are looking to create and alchemize their suffering into abundance um through abundance coaching abundance with sharky I also do this for companies and we apply the abundance algorithm to alchemizing any dysfunction in the funnel. So you reduce revenue leakage by fixing these data points along the funnel that um, just simply needed a bit of TLC. It's usually leads that get left behind or a, a negative customer experience because there hasn't been the thought of conscious customer process or or sending someone on a customer journey so I help impact organizations and nonprofits in particular do their jobs better uh, so that they can have all the impact in the world what is your secret to being abundant yes your personal one apart from um, the algorithm that I use now for everything like literally I'm like oh how can we apply the algorithm here what is the algorithm about It, it it Really, it was inspired by Peter Diamandis in the Abundance 360 and quantum computing. So basically, I just put the two together that if we're in this, I'm going to sound crazy, but if we're in this quantum space where all of us are connected and really there's not much that separates us, right? We're all made from stardust and and all these same elements. So if there's not much separation, and if I was to want an abundant outcome for the two of us either working together or talking to each other or just I looked um, at all the examples in my life of of where there had been an exponential outcome because I'd chosen to show up and I just was like well why what was different about this situation what was different about my mental state and it was that I just consciously chose to raise my vibration to a level that meant that I was going all in for that situation Mm. And if I'm coming and showing up, Peter talks about it, you know, play full out, like you're playing full out. Tony talks about it. You know, you come, you show up, you're a hundred percent there for what is right in front of you. Cause all we have is now. Wow. So you get an exponential outcome or you get an exponential force or velocity. If you mm-hmm. can curate and consciously be aware of the energy you're bringing so the mm-hmm. energy input, you and I are showing up at the same level or, or slight, you know, slightly different, but we raise each other. And as we raise each other, the frequency gets higher. 
and frequency is the exponential. So it's just abundance is the energy, the connection, the time, the frequency. But if you curate those, and I mean curate like you would with RevOps, you know, you 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 are actively participating and co-creating in that moment with that other person where you're both showing up in the same way, you you, you get this output. And it is always when both of you show up and only bring positivity and an abundance mindset, then that abundance exponential is gnarly. And you start to do this with all the people that you meet in your life. You start to then have this uh, confirmation bias that this theory works, which is what I did. And it just kept playing out. And all it was was just me trying to explain how people connect at like a fundamental emotional or you know how do people connect like and that was me explaining I love this theory because some people uh, who I met in my life think abundance it's uh, a couple of million million dollars on on the bank account yeah luxury car luxury house you know branding clothes but it's it's nothing to do with materialistic things abundance mindset that's what brings you all those other stuff in your life yeah the materialistic things are only a consequences of your mindset completely and and now i'm on a mission to not only prove my theory and i Mm -hmm. and i'm so motivated for that because that is if i've already been the living example then i've already proven it and i don't need to I don't need to do anything. This is not about validation, but if I can continue to help others to see this by just being it and creating it in my life, that's one part. But then providing everything I know, getting it into the book and getting it onto paper and doing all these podcasts, like the reality is I'm just trying to help other, like all I want to do is now share that because if one or two people, I don't like, I, I would I want to help millions of people understand that they can have that within them and set them free. And it doesn't have to be chasing the opportunities or the things that I, I have done. I just, they're the things I chose. I was like, well, <laughs> next stop space. So I, I'm like, yeah, that's, and I'm literally making that happen right now. Like, I'm not kidding. We're, we are literally planning a ver- like a Virgin Galactic trip and I'm like, yep, see, going to space. Of course. <laughs> Why would it be any different? It's so powerful. Mindset is everything. I love it. Sarah, if some people would love to connect with you, where is the best place to find you? Easy. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn under Sharky CEO, uh, but I am mama underscore Sharky on Instagram. Probably that's the easiest place. And then you can find Lotus uh, or you can come to the website, www.projectlotus.info and you can organize some time. We can chat and I'd love to to help you with all the abundance in your life. (laughs) Sarah, before we go, do you have Mm. any concluding thoughts? I mean, not to sound cliche, and I've been getting a copying a bit of flack of, I've got some trolls now. I didn't, even, I, I forgot they, they existed. Doesn't matter what you've been through, there's always going to be trolls. Um, but the skeptics I particularly enjoy, I'd say 
even even when you're skeptical right there's even in those moments where you're like all right fine this situation is pretty dire or it's pretty crap and and by comparison you you, you may not think you're going to make it out of it but the reality is actually that if you just shifted in the breath and breathed in and just let go of that narrative that's in your mind then the choices you make become different and then you start taking action in the things that are different and then you start creating these opportunities for yourself or they start coming out of nowhere which reinforces the the experience so then you're now starting to change and shift your bias and that's all that the abundance algorithm is about is explaining really that you can take control over the situation in the most beautiful way by just surrendering control I mean and going hmm, okay like <laughs> I'm just gonna go in here for a bit and in here and and I'll be okay put some music on and I've, I've built this playlist now I've got a this is probably my actual best tip. I've got this playlist that's now like about 150 songs, but every one of them makes me happy and means something. Every single one. So no matter, I just pick one. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And then all that does is shift the state. So now I'm like, oh, it was simple as that. That's the key, to shift your state. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I would really love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. What did you like and what would you love to hear more about? For more information about my story and my work, go to my website at annaditchburn.com where you can also download for free my seven secrets that I've learned about being happy from the inside out. So thank you so much and We will see you next time. Bye for now.